Go with me, if you would, in the scriptures to Romans, the 8th chapter, and 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. We've been talking about, for some weeks, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit. We've been talking about the, the Helper, the wonderful Holy Spirit. I want to continue talking about Him. And a specific area of his help in Romans, the 8th chapter, and the 14th verse. Romans 8 and 14. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. For you have not received, verse 15, you've not received the spirit of bondage. Again, to fear. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit of bondage. In fact, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Liberty. Freedom. He's the spirit of truth. And the truth will do what for you? It'll make you free. So the Holy Spirit is not putting people in bondage. Verse uh, 15 says, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear and bondage go together. But you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Faith is the victory, but faith works by love. And our trusting God is directly connected to our revelation of his love for us. No matter how powerful and big you think God is or you believe him to be, if you're not convinced he cares enough to do anything for you, then your faith in his ability is not enough. But when you know how much he cares, then you'll be convinced he will use his great ability On your behalf. Keep reading. We've received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry. Abba. Father. Verse 16. The spirit itself. Now that's King James. All you modern translations will say himself. The spirit himself. Bears witness with our spirit. That we are. The children. Of God. Let's say it out loud together. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. Say my spirit this time. The Spirit Himself bears witness with my spirit. So much light and revelation here. This is one of the greatest truths that Phyllis and I have ever learned. In our few years walking with the Lord, it's absolutely one of the very greatest, most important things we've ever learned about the things of God. I grew up around church. My grandmother was the uh, Sunday school teacher and also the secretary and treasurer of a, a little church for decades. And even though my parents in the beginning part of our life were not, they knew about, they grew up in Christian homes, but they weren't serving the Lord like they should. But grandma saw that we were in church <laughs> and thank God for it. But in all my years as a, as a child and then as a, a teenager, I had never heard, if I did, if somebody said it, it didn't register on me, that I was a spirit. And that the Holy Spirit would lead me through the witness. And that I was supposed to pay attention to that witness. Close attention. And heed and act on that. In all my years and all of going to church, I don't remember ever hearing about that. Ever being aware of that. And as a result, we didn't. I didn't, I mean, we prayed, we believed in God, we believed he's powerful, 
We believed in the Holy Spirit more so than some groups. We were Pentecostal. <laughs> Being led by the Spirit as a foreign concept, foreign thought. I, we, and as so, like so many people, you, you pray and hope some of it happens. But then whatever happens, you just kind of assume, well, that must have been what God wanted. And so led by external things. If it didn't happen, must have been God. If it did happen, must have been God. Right? We don't know. Could have been. Might have been. Must have been. There's a whole lot of darkness and, and ignorance there, isn't there? And yet, thank God, right after Phyllis and I married, and we married young, thank the Lord... The doctor she was working for at the time had a library of teaching tapes. We'd never heard of anybody listening to a tape on preaching. You'd listen to a music tape, but a tape on preaching? That was just sounded strange to us. And he kept trying to get her to take some of those home and listen to them. And we wouldn't do it. <laughs> Months and months went by, right? And finally, well, he is her employer. And finally, she felt like, you know, I need to take these home because he just, I'm going to insult him. And so we did. And listened in our little bitty player. Listened to some of these. And oh, man. Changed our life. One reason we're so big on sending materials out today, because it changed our life. And, and if we'd have had to buy those, we didn't see the value of it. Besides that, our money was so tight. I mean, $20 was a huge thing to us. And we'd have spent that on gas money or groceries or something, not a preaching thing. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why we send them out for no cost. Because <laughs> sometimes folks just don't know how much they need it. That was us. But eventually I got to listening to some of Brother Hagen's, Kenneth Hagen Sr.'s materials. And got his little book on how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Changed our life. And to this day, it's one of the biggest things that we're practicing day in, day out, is looking to and heeding this witness, this direction, this leading. The reason why I'm talking to you tonight, the reason we came to this city, the reason we came to Branson, the reason we went to Ramah, and went to school there. Every one of those things. Is because we learned. To heed the witness. The leading of the spirit. And followed. I mean the Lord. The Lord calls you into the ministry. Okay. What are we supposed to do? Well go into the world and preach the gospel. Well you're one person. You can't go everywhere. You can't do everything. What are you supposed to do? There's general direction. But then there's specific direction. I want you to read these verses again. Verse 14 says what? As many as are led by what? Led by what? Led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Now there are different words used for child and son. There are words that are used that describe little children like infants. Well, in the 16th verse, what does it say? Children. 14 doesn't say children. It says sons. Why? Because those who are learning to be led by the Spirit of God won't stay little ones. They are the maturing ones. Growing up and developing in Him is directly connected with learning to be led. By him. Little ones don't know much about it. 
And you won't learn all there is about being led by the Spirit in a week or two or a month or two. But we should learn more and be more aware and pay more attention. Notice what he said in the 16th verse. The Spirit himself does what? Bears witness with. What part of our being? Our spirit. First of all, you got to realize you are a spirit. You are a spirit. You're not just a body and a mind. You could lose your body right now and quit breathing, and they could go bury your body. You'd still exist, and you'd still have your mind, and you'd still be you. You're looking at me right now through those two windows we call eyes. I see the house you live in, your body, but you're on the inside. You're a spirit. And death is just like taking a hand out of a glove. Just like taking your foot out of a boot. Your spirit comes out of your body. And the Bible says, it depart, your, your believer, it departs and goes to be with the Lord, which is far better than being here. <laughs> Nothing to fear. But while we're here, we're not, the Lord said, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to give you help. I'm going to send you another comforter. He has sent us the Holy Spirit to lead us, teach us, guide us. Remind us, show us 24-7. And he is, he's God. He's the Holy Spirit. He knows everything about everything. And yet millions of Christians are not looking to him. They're making decisions with their head. They're being led by all kind of things just like unbelievers are. Do you have to make any decisions in life? Yes. Did you have to make any decisions this week? Yes. Huh? Yes. Will you have to make some decisions tomorrow yes. and the next day? Yes. Like what? <laughs> what to eat? <laughs> Work and business decisions. Do I, do I do this deal? Do I not? Do I get involved in this? Do I not? Little decisions. Medium-sized decisions, huge decisions. Do I marry them? <laughs> Where do I go to church? Where do I live? Amen. You know, do I become a part of the military? Do I, you know, do I go to the school? Decisions determine direction. When you make a choice, it puts you on a course. And if you stay on that course, you wind up at a destination. If you'd have made a different choice, you'd have gone a different direction and wound up in a different destination. I'm going to understand decisions are like forks in the road. I go to this school. I learn these things. I'll be around these people. I'll make these contacts. I go to this school. I work here. I'll get to know these people. I'll be involved in this. I go to this church. If you go to another one, you're going to hear different things. Your faith's going to be fed or not fed in different areas. You're going to, people are going to influence you this way or that. And you'll wind up being a different person than if you'd have made this choice and gone this way. Can you see this, friends? Are our decisions important? Yes, they are. So important. I mean, how'd you get here tonight? <laughs> how'd you get here? You made a choice, didn't you? And your life is different than if you'd have made another choice. With things being this significant, the outcome being this weighty, we need help making these decisions. Amen. So we can make the right ones and go the right direction and wind up in the right place. Doing the right things with the right people. Say it out loud. Decisions determine direction. 
Direction determines destiny. See, destiny is a form of the word destination. Or the other way around. It's where you wind up. And where you wind up, I mean, a lot of you drove to the building tonight. You got on the road. And if you'd have took another road, if you're coming from Tampa, if you'd have got on 75 and went north, huh? you might have found a church. You might have found a service. Wouldn't have been this one. Right? You had to go. You had to make a choice to go south and get off at exit 213. Right? Decisions determine direction. Direction determines destiny or destination. And our life tonight is the result of the decisions we've made last year and 10 years ago and 20 years ago and and where our life is at, where our relationships are at, where our finances are at, where our spirituality, where our faith is at. So a lot of of folks, including myself, we could have been feeding our faith on things years before we were. Which is one reason I'm excited about our little ones, our children. They're getting fed some of the very same things you get in the the big service. And I tell you what, they soak it up like a sponge. A lot of them don't have a bunch of unbelief that they've developed over 40 years. They just soak it up and you better watch out. Don't tell them, well, if you can believe for it, because they will. And they'll get it and then you'll have to find a place for it. Because they don't play around now. They they believe and don't doubt. <laughs> what does Romans 8.16 say? Look at it in the Amplified. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. This book is full of God talking to people. Isn't it? Is it? Genesis. God's talking to Adam and Eve. Right? Talking to different ones. Talking to Noah. Letting him know, build the the boat. Letting them know, do the... Where'd he get that? God. Right? And yet a lot of folks today, if you start talking about, you know, hearing from God, it bothers them. Doesn't it? They're like, they think they're actually hearing from God. Troublesome. They're like, that's, and that just reveals the sad state of much of the church. Because we believe in the Bible. They believe in the Bible. And the Bible is full. God talking to David. God talking to Elijah. God talking to Elisha. God talking to Isaiah. God talking to Jeremiah and Ezekiel. God talking. God telling people things. Showing them things. Showing them where to go. What to do. How to do it. Right? He gave uh, uh, Moses, you know, the whole layout and plan for the tabernacle. And the articles. How they were to be made. The... And then David, the same thing, gave him the actual blueprint from heaven. How to build stuff and that details, details, materials, dimensions. He said he got it from God. And it's recorded that way in the Bible. And millions of good church going people today, if David would say that, they'd scoff and go, what? God gave you a blueprint. I am so sure. God's not giving people blueprints. He did. He did. And the apostles, after Jesus was raised from the dead, the book of Acts describes people continuing to hear from the Lord. Now we're reading the book of Acts now, aren't we? As you read your chapter, look for the Holy Spirit's involvement in their life. Look for it. 
and study it. The book is called on the title Acts of the Apostles. But that is a, um, a title men gave this book. Actually, it's not just Acts of Apostles. You see evangelists doing things and prophets doing things and what we'd call lay people doing things. But what you will see is the Holy Spirit doing things in people, through people, apostles, and a lot of other people too. I'd call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the church. But listen to a few of these and you'll see what I'm talking about. Acts 1-2 says Jesus through the Holy Spirit gave commandments to the apostles. Acts 8-29, the Spirit said to Philip, go near and join yourself to the chariot. Acts 10-19, while Peter was up on that housetop, the Spirit said to him, three men are looking for you downstairs. Who said that to him? The Bible said the Holy Spirit. Acts eleven twelve says the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Acts 13 and 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. Say it out loud. The Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said. Do you believe the Bible? Yes. The, did the Holy Spirit say something? Can he still say something? Yes. Did he quit saying things? No. no. The Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. Now this, this wasn't a consensus. They didn't vote on it. They actually, they knew some things needed to happen. So they took some time and fasted. Now, how many know you got to skip at least one meal to say you fasted, right? So they skipped at least a meal, maybe a couple or more. I don't know. That, that was some time involved, and they spent some time praying. And while they were doing that, the Holy Spirit said something. He said something. And it wasn't men directing things in the church. The Holy Spirit said it. The Bible said, Acts 15, 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Acts 16, 6, they were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Acts 16, 7, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. It says they were compelled by the Spirit. They said things because of being influenced by the Spirit. Page after page, chapter after chapter in this book of Acts, you'll see the Holy Spirit was real to them. Wasn't he? He was speaking to them. He was directing them. He was guiding them. He was saying, go. He was saying, don't go. Do this. Don't do this. Go here. Don't go there. Go with them, don't go with them. (laughs) Are we a part of the same church as this book of Acts? We are. We got the same gospel. We got the same Holy Spirit. Why should our lives be different from theirs? Why should we have to rely on counseling with each other? Are putting out fleeces. Are studying statistics. To make our decisions. The Bible said in Proverbs 3. 5. Just put it up on the screen for us please. What does it say? Trust. In the Lord. With what part are you being? Heart. Now it's not talking about your blood pump. You can't believe God with your your physical blood pump heart any more than you can believe God with your lungs or believe God with your liver or your kidney. Heart. You know what heart means. If I cut open a watermelon or you cut open a watermelon and you come back and the center of it's gone and I'm and I'm sitting there happy. Phyllis has seen this many times. She said he ate the heart. He ate the heart out of the melon. I didn't eat a blood pump. What did I eat? 
The core. The core of it. We're talking about the heart of an oak tree. The heart of a pine. Well, the core of your being and mine, the inside of us, the core of us, is what we believe God with. That's different from the next part. Lean not to what? To your own understanding. That's your head. That's your mind. God gave us a mind. We're supposed to use it. But we're not supposed to rely on it to make our decisions. We're supposed to use it. We're supposed to find out what we can and think. There's some things you're supposed to search out and look for. But when it comes time to pull the trigger, to make the choice, do or don't, go here or go there, you don't just lay out your spreadsheet and go with the best numbers. You don't just have everybody vote on it. And yet this is how millions of Christians are operating. They're just going by, you know, whatever's the cheapest. We're saving 800 bucks. It's got to be God. <laughs> well, it's no savings if you're not even supposed to get it. And even though you paid $300 more for this one, if that's the one you were supposed to get, and it lasted twice as long as the one you saved money on, <laughs> there are people, Christians, good Christian people, who were driving 30 miles out of the way to save a nickel on gas <laughs> and were at an intersection at the wrong time. They had no reason to be there except to save that nickel and got hit by a truck and had all kind of medical bills and all kind of problems for months and months and months because they were led by a nickel instead of led by the Spirit. See, you've got Christians all over the place. They're not even praying about stuff. They're not even checking their heart. You know, they just, who's the cheapest? If you're led by price, you're not led by the Spirit. If you're led by cost, you're not led by the Spirit. If you're led by need, you're not led by the Spirit. We need it. Got to do it. Got to have it. That's not a leading. (laughs) Desire is not a leading. I want it. Well, maybe you need to cool your jets. Get to where you don't want it so much. See, these are where Christians, even good people, are missing it. They're making bad decisions and they're having all kind of problems in the aftermath and asking, why, God, why did you let this happen? Well, why didn't you ask him which way to go? And why didn't you go the way he was leading you to? And see, millions of Christians are not even taught that they are a spirit, that the spirit of God is endeavoring to lead them by this inner witness and you're supposed to look to it and you're supposed to pay attention to it and do it. Millions, I know I was never taught this. As a child growing up in church and as a teenager, I never heard this. Oh, but since I did. And Phyllis would tell you the same thing. It is, without a doubt, one of the greatest truths we've ever heard and learned. Like I said, it's one of the reasons I'm I'm looking at you in Sarasota tonight. The reason. There are a lot of places to go to start a church. A lot of good people, a lot of good groups, a lot of good places. And we found out since some of the things that we've done, both in Branson and here, that, man, it was the right place. It was the right county. It was the right location. It was the right. But we didn't find all that out before we did it. We found it out after we did it. I've had people ask me when we were doing things, well, did you, did you search your records and see how many partners you had there? And did you, were you looking at the, the finances? No, no, no. I specifically didn't want to know because it could sway my thinking. 
Sometimes if we're believing for something and Phyllis and I are talking about it, she'll tell me, don't tell me the price, she'll say. Don't tell me. Don't tell me the price. I don't want to know. Why? Because she's going to believe for it. And if you get those numbers in your head, get to thinking about that too much. Put up verse 16 again. Romans 8, 16. What does it say? As many as are led. That was the fact, verse 14. That's a good one too. <laughs> By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And verse 16 says what? The Spirit himself bears witness with our mind. Uh-uh. No. Our spirit. What part of your being is he going to bear witness with? Let's talk about what he's not bearing witness with. Not our flesh. We don't go by goosebumps. We don't make decisions based on goosebumps. I'm going to say that again real slow. We don't make decisions based on hot flashes, cold flashes, no flashes, shivers. We don't put out fleeces. I said, well, Gideon did. Yeah, Gideon wasn't even born again. He didn't know really who was dealing with him. His spirit wasn't even alive. You couldn't tell him, Gideon, brother, just be led. Was That was not available to him. But Christians, New Testament Christians, are what? Verse 14, go back to verse 14. Are to be led by what? By what? Now, don't let this be too simple for you. This is radical change to the way most folks live. But it is so exciting and it is so glorious and it is the way to stop making so many mistakes. Thank you, Lord. And to stop winding up at the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, how many times? Have you heard somebody say, or maybe yourself say, so you did something and it was wrong and it messed things up and it cost you money, whatever. And you said, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Uh-huh. I knew, I knew I shouldn't have gone over there. I knew I shouldn't have called him. I knew I should. Well, here's the question. If you knew that you shouldn't have done it, why did you go on and do it? It's exactly what we're talking about because people have not been taught, Christians have not been taught by and large, to pay attention to that witness on the inside, to heed it, to monitor it. And once you get it, obey it. Even if it doesn't make sense to your head. Trust in the Lord with all your trust what you get in here and lean not to your calculator, to all your neighbor's opinions, to the statistics. Yeah, use your head, but all the while you're finding out stuff and you're listening to people, you're gathering information, you're thinking, but all the while you're checking in here. Do I have a witness about this? A witness. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Say it out loud, I'm a spirit. I have a mind. I live in a body. You're a spirit. You're not just a mind and a body. You're a spirit. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is spirit and he lives in you. There's somebody else besides you in here. There's another person. And he bears witness with your spirit. You get confirmation from somebody other than yourself. And it's an internal thing. Listen to the definition of some of these words. The word witness basically means one that testifies. That testifies what they know. And this, this word here that's translated witness with, it means to testify jointly. Joint witness. Confirming evidence. 
Come here, brother. Stand up just a minute. Can you help me? Just turn here and face the folks right here. If you're looking at something and I'm with you and then you say, I like that. That looks good to me. I think I'm going to do that. And I just stand here and don't do anything. (laughs) Then you got no joint witness. You got a solo. But if you're looking at it and you go, man, I like that. I think I'm going to do that. And I go, I like it too. Yes, that's the thing to do. There's a joint. He's not by himself. He, somebody else has kicked in and goes, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's the thing to do. That's the way to go. Thank you, sir. A joint, another witness. And he bears witness with what? Your spirit. Your spirit. And you and I should look to that and wait on that. Shouldn't we? That's what I was doing. Every decision that we've made, Phyllis and I and and our folks who are with us, man, we prayed about these things. There are so many decisions that have to be made on starting a work. I mean, what, what color chairs? What color arms? How many? How big? Some of them cost 10 times as much as the other one. Hmm? We could save money. We could put half, we could put a thousand in here. That'd save a lot of money. The paint, the, uh, the steel, man, it was a whole operation getting this. We took the poles out, all except the ones you see. And there were, how many more poles were there, Phyllis? There were like four or something more on each side. Another 15 maybe total. Cost a lot of money to get those poles out of here. Why not just leave them in? Save some money. See, decision after decision after, what do you do? Are you led by convenience? Are you led by cost? Are you led by money? Air conditioning. We completely replaced the air conditioning. Unexpected. We thought we were going to get to use a lot of it that was already here, at least to get up and get started. We hadn't had a service yet. There's no congregation to sow towards air conditioning. Every got decisions continuously. And Phyllis and myself and others of us, what do you do? Well, you can pace and you can wring your hands and go, oh, I don't want to make the wrong decision. I don't want to make the wrong decision. I don't want to make the wrong decision. And that will get you nowhere. Or you can be led by the cheapest thing, or the quickest thing, or the easiest thing, and you can wind up with something completely different. The answer to 10,000 questions, week in and week out, is be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit, and yet millions of Christians, that sounds strange to them. They think, what do you mean? Be led. Be led. And then you got folks that get in the ditch on the other side and just whatever they decide to do, they say the Lord's leading them. And there are numerous scriptures in the Bible that warn about this. The Lord says about several different people, you know, they said, I said, and I didn't send them. They prophesied in my name, but I never spoke to them, he says. You see this in Ezekiel. You see it in different places. And so there are people who are saying, the Lord led me to do this, and the Lord led me to do that, and the Lord led me not to do this, and the Lord led me, you're supposed to do this with me. I, feel, I don't know if the times people have come to us and told us, we feel led that you should do this. That we should do this or that with the church or with the ministry or, or. And more than once I've had to tell people, I said, you know, I don't do what I want to do. Why would I do what you want me to do? 
And some folks that irritates them because they don't think being led by the Spirit is real. That's why they make up stuff and they think nobody will be the wiser. They can just say anything they want to say and say, no, the Lord taught me and the Lord led me. Mm -mm, mm -mm. We must learn the difference between what's just flesh and what's just me and what really is the leading of the Lord. And I became convinced and I first heard about this in, in our late teens. I became convinced if I can learn how to hear from God, I got it made. I got it made. Because if I'll just do what he leads me to do, I know he's not going to lead me down the wrong road. I know he's going to lead me and it's going to work out and it's going to be right. If I can just learn how to hear from him, I got it made. And now several years later, I'm more convinced of it than ever. I know it's true. Said out loud, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God are to be led how? By the Spirit of God. Go to 1 Corinthians, please, the second chapter. 1 Corinthians 2. I want us to pray a prayer and release our faith about what we just got through saying and praying. Did God speak to people in this book? All through it. Did he? Has he changed? Did he stop speaking along the way? Uh-uh. No. What happened is people quit listening. And sometimes you got whole generations that didn't listen and didn't teach the next generation to listen and got things that are lost. But God didn't change. He's always spoken to his people very clearly, very plainly, precisely. And it's a matter of learning how he communicates. Don't try to hear audible voices. Don't try to see open visions. These things happen, but they don't happen all the time and they don't happen for everybody. You could go your whole life and not hear God talking to you in an audible voice and it wouldn't mean anything was wrong with you or that you weren't spiritual. And yet every child of God can be, should be led by this witness, by the spirit bearing witness with your spirit day in and day out. And you can pay attention and learn about it and become more aware until you're led, spirit-led, and even the small things of life. You just practice. I know Phyllis and I do it. After 30 years, it's just like second nature. And I don't claim that we have learned all about it. We, we haven't by any stretch. But everything we do, we start looking inside. We just start checking inside. And even though we might know, think we know a lot about the situation, I'll ask her, I'll say, you got any kind of witness about that? What does that mean? I'm not asking for numbers. I'm not asking for figures. I'm not asking about her personal opinion. I'm not asking about how she feels emotionally. I'm asking about something else. And she'll ask me, do you have any kind of witness about that? I know she's not asking my opinion. She's asking, do I have a, somebody else is in me. Say it out loud. Someone else is inside me. The Holy Spirit is inside me. And friend, you, there is a definite difference. You can get excited about something, and that's one thing, inside yourself. But when he kicks in, it's something else. It's more. It's greater. It's more powerful because he's, he's bigger than you. <laughs> A lot. And there can be so, things that are very significant in the kingdom and things that are very important. Man, when you get on the right track of it, I know, uh, I remember distinctly when we were making the decision to start the church in Branson, Missouri. We'd been in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Broken Air, Tulsa, Oklahoma for 20 some years. And we traveled and were busy and had no intentions of pastoring. Didn't think that was our call. And uh, 
I won't go through all of it, but over a course of time, we prayed about it. And man, we're getting this witness that we're supposed to start this thing. And I remember one, one time we were driving from Tulsa to uh, Branson. And we were, we were already pretty much had, had gotten clear that about the witness and the direction. And Phyllis just started saying, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I just don't know what I'm so excited about, though. And I said, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. We See, we never opened the doors. We, we didn't even have a place. And there'd never been a service. But see, the Lord knew. He saw all the folks in Branson. He saw all the meetings. He saw the word supply and all the millions of messages going out. He saw you. And we didn't see all that, but the one inside us already knew all that. And so we're picking up that this is right. This is kingdom. This is the way to go. Can you say amen? Amen. And uh, when we when we came here, it took us a while to get locked in about this area. At first, we did not plan to come here. You know, a lot of folks think they're led to Florida, <laughs> especially in the winter time. You know, and that's not enough. Shouldn't be enough. To go somewhere and do something. Kingdom. Go for a vacation. Go back home. You know. It's not enough. And so we weren't considering this place. We had actually looked at other places. But we couldn't get settled. On the others. And. Eventually we got. It got stronger and stronger. Witness about this place. And I found this. If it's God today. It'll be God tomorrow. And the more you look at it and the more you pray about it, it just gets stronger and stronger in you. And that's what happened with us over a period of weeks and weeks and months. And we flew into the airport, got out, and got in the rental car. We'd never been to Lakewood Ranch, I I guess. We had vacationed down in uh, Minnesota, Key. We didn't know anything about Lakewood Ranch. We drove straight down the road, and instead of getting on the interstate and doing something, we just kept going. And I don't know, 20 minutes after we got out of the plane, we're sitting in the parking lot of this place right here. And we had a witness. And at first, it didn't look like it was available as we checked on it. It looked like some other things would have prevented it from happening. And we looked at some other places and, you know, I'm talking about weeks and even months went by, but we kept having that witness about here. It wasn't the biggest you could find. It wasn't the most square foot for the money. There are actually some better deals if you're looking for that. But that's not all that matters. I said, that's not all that matters. The Lord knows the future. He knows what we don't know. You can never get enough information to make the perfect decision every time. I'm talking about with your head. Because you don't know the future. As much as you, you you can research it until it's just no use. But you can never get all the particulars just for the one simple thing. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So that alone makes you ill-equipped to make the perfect decision every time. But the one inside you does. The one inside you knows the past, present, and future. He knows the plan of God. And you don't have to know all the particulars. All you need to know is, is he given me that witness? Do I have that witness? Uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Sr., said the Lord taught him personally about this. If you read his materials, it's, it's interesting reading. It's, it's, it's very good to read. And this is how he described it. He described it as a check if you shouldn't go with it or do it. He said, it's like a dead feeling in my spirit, like a weight 
when you shouldn't do it, when it's wrong, you get a, a check, a deadness, a heaviness. Not something in your head. This is in your spirit. And when you get that, what does that mean? Don't do it. I don't care how much money you think you're going to make. I don't care how, how many other people own the bandwagon and say you're supposed to do it. Don't override that. The check. And also on the other hand though. He said and sometimes. It's like you get a green light. A go ahead. He said it's like a good velvety feeling. <laughs> Trying to describe spiritual things. Sometimes words come short. But a, a, it's not a check. It's not a deadness. It's an excitement. It's light. A green light. It's a good velvety Feeling. We're not talking about physical feeling. We're not talking about emotional feeling. Feeling is really an inadequate word. It's a witness. Let's just use the word the Bible uses, right? It's a witness. The witness of the Spirit. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. You got that place? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 1 Corinthians 2 and 11. 1 Corinthians 2 11 says, What man knows the things of a man? Save what? The spirit of man which is in him. The things you need to know about your life, you need to look in your spirit. Not just in your head. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God knows all things, the deep things of God, and He's the one the Lord has sent to help us, to be our constant companion, our continual helper. What a a waste it is for Him to be there in Christians' lives 24-7 and they're making decisions based on what they saw on the news and with the calculator and, and majority opinion and everything else. When the one who knows the future and knows the plan is right inside 24-7. And all we'd have to do is look inside, pay attention to that witness. If you don't have a witness, what does that mean? You're not ready to move. Keep looking. Keep checking your heart. Right? Keep praying about it. Keep believing God that he will show you. I know our current property that we have there at Branson. It's a wonderful place. We started at another place across town. And it came to a, a time in our development that we were landlocked. We didn't have room to develop. And we didn't feel good about trying to continue there. And In so many ways, it was time to move. And yet, we didn't have the witness about where to go. And we'd look at this place and we'd inquire about it and we'd check it out and look at it and sounded good, looked good, good price, pretty good location. But the further you go, it's just nothing there. Yeah, it's reasonable. Yeah, it's improvement yeah it's got this yeah it's got that but no witness no witness so there were several times that we'd get to a place and I just said no let's just let's just can it let's just chill I'm not we're not getting anything this went on for years everybody say years and your head gets tired of it Right? And folks are needing things. And they, we need room. We need room for the kids. The kids are busting out. We gotta have room. We gotta have room. Gotta have room for the kids. Kids are wall to wall. They were cramped in there again this Sunday. It was cramped again. They were cramped again. Is that a leading? Should we be led by cramped again? Would you be tempted to be led by cramped again? Oh, you will. You will feel. You will feel the pressure. Especially if you go months or years. Folks go, what's he doing? What's he waiting on? 
We'll give money. We'll do this. It's not just about that. It can be tough on your flesh to wait on the witness. Somebody say wait. wait. On the witness. Wait. Say it again. Wait. wait. On the witness. And eventually, eventually, it started falling into place. And we could tell the further we went, the stronger witness we had about it. And it just, you know, there were some things to believe for and, and overcome. But you can tell somebody else besides us is saying, yeah, this is it. Yep, this is right. Yep, you got that witness. And it worked out wonderfully. We had to go in and gut the bottom part of it and do all kind of stuff. It was a ton of work and a, and we had to believe God for a million dollars that first month just to pay for the reconstruction stuff and cash in a month with everything else going on. But it came and it happened and it wasn't a problem. But see, if you say, well, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to believe for it because God can do anything. Yeah, but if you don't have the witness, you're not going to be able to have the faith. It's not going to work. It's not just a matter of having faith. The faith is going to work with the witness. They go together. Can you say amen? Go over to 1 Thessalonians. I'm thinking about closing. What should I follow on that? Should I be led by the clock? Should I be led by people getting antsy? What should I be led by? <laughs> what should you be led by? <laughs> what if everybody was led by the Spirit? What a different world we would live in. Man, everybody would show up at the right place at the right time. Everybody would do the right thing. We can't control the whole world, but we can sure have a church full of people doing it. Okay, we're doing it on our teams, doing it. On every facet of ministry and our personal lives. How many believe you could be led on your job? Every day of the week. You can drive to work, praying in the spirit, checking your heart. And every time something comes up, you're listening. You're using your mind. You're doing what you know to do. But when it comes time to say this or that, you're not making decisions based on numbers or statistics or people pressuring you or people pulling. You're going to make a decision based on what you get in here on that witness. And uh, our friend of mine was talking about this recently uh, a couple of years ago when some of the bottom fell out of so many things financially. Some people were saying, you know, uh, they were trying to tell him what to do with his money and his investments and stuff. And he prayed about it. And the Lord directed him to do something completely different. And they looked at him. And these were some very influential people. And they said, you will lose everything you got. You, that's crazy. And he said, well, that's what I want to do. And they said, well, why? Why in the world would you do that? He said, the Lord directed me to. Oh, man, got quiet in the boardroom. You know, they, sort of religious nut, you know. So, but anyway, he, he, it was his money. So in the end, they did what he said. And uh, now, what, just a year or so later, after all this happened, they told him, they actually uh, came to him and told him, said, out of all our clients, you were the only one who made money through all this. And they said, next time the Lord tells you something, would you tell us? Well, see, initially it's not so easy when people who are supposed to be experts are looking at you and telling you you're a nut. That's not easy. That's not comfortable. It's easy to bend to pressure, isn't it? You don't have to know everything about the markets. You don't have to know everything about finances. You don't have to know everything about any field because somebody lives inside you who does already know. He knows Far more than any so-called expert will ever know. He knows the end from the beginning. He's not going to tell you everything about it. You don't need to know. It just clouds your little mind. But he will tell you which way you need to go. And what you, you don't need to try to hear a voice or see an open vision. Just pray about it and don't make a move until you get that witness. And when you do get it. Don't let anybody move you off of it or talk you out of it. Just go that way. 
and watch the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can you say amen? First Thessalonians 5. Here's the thing I want to, I want to leave you with this evening. First Thessalonians 5. And we'll pray that prayer I was talking about a few minutes ago concerning this. First Thessalonians 5. He gives some uh, kind of one-liner statements here. The Holy Spirit does that are very powerful. What is the 18th verse? What does that say? 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You can do that by faith concerning what we're talking about. Even when you are clueless in your head about what to do and which way to go, you can start thanking God that he will show me. Thank you, Lord, for leading me the right way, showing me which way to go. Just start thanking him even before you know anything in your mind. Verse 19, quench not the spirit. Why would he tell you to quench not the spirit? What does quench mean? Quench. Another definition of this is smother. The Living Bible actually says it like that. Do not smother the Holy Spirit. Well, we're not, that doesn't mean you're going to smother him where he can't breathe. But you're going to suppress or stifle him in you. Why would he single this out and say, don't do this? How would you do that? There's a check. You got about something. But your flesh wants to do it. Everybody else is doing it. Hmm? Looks like it's going to be great. But you keep having this check. Keep having this check. What can you do? You can smother that. You can just cover it over. You can suppress it. You can ignore it. You can push it down. And especially people that have never been practicing listening to him to start with. He's out there already not very aware. You can just ignore him completely. You can stifle it. Smother it. Ignore it. But to our own expense. Or what could you do? You don't want to smother. You don't want to suppress. You want to stir it up. Fan the fire. Right? We want to be more clear on it. Not ignore it. Not smother it. We want to be more clear. Want it to be stronger. Want it to be clearer. Well, it must not be God speaking an audible voice all the time or shaking us by the power. Or you wouldn't have to use terminology like this. Don't smother it. Don't stifle it. The Bible said the prophet of God learned this on one occasion. He was out there, you know, in the wilderness and there was this huge earthquake. And the Bible said, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And there was a strong, mighty wind that tore and ripped the mountain. But God wasn't in the strong, mighty wind. How many understand every great, big, loud thing that happens is not necessarily God? There can be some huge things happening and God not even be in them. And then he said, and then there was a still, small voice. And that was him. That was God. Didn't the scripture also say, be still and know that he is God? The psalmist talked about this more than once, how that in the nighttime, his, uh, his inwards would guide him. When you get quiet, we live in a loud world. Our technology, ah, uh, it, it, it can be, it can be a tool and a good thing at some times, but for most folks, it is a continual interruption. And we got four TVs and we got Radios and instant messages and emails and texts and and it's just flowing in, bombarding us. And then when we're supposed to be quiet, we're not. We're still loud. And we go to bed with all this and we wake up with all this and it, it, it hinders spirituality. Because it can contribute to quenching and smothering, stifling the main thing. We should be listening to. We need to have times where we are absolutely still. Still. 
We're not praying at the top of our voice. We're not quoting scriptures. We're not running and dancing. We're not playing a CD real loud. We're not watching anything on TV. It's just absolutely still and quiet. Now, if you hadn't done it in a while, you, you can be on the bed or you can be in the chair not moving a toe. And yet your mind be doing this. <laughs> and if you hadn't practiced it, or not, not just your mind, your emotions. Your emotions, your feelings can just be all over the place and off the chart. And even though you're not making noise with your body, your mind and your soul are loud. Oh, but friend, if we'll take the time to get still and get quiet, get your mind quiet. Still your soul. Start checking down in here. You begin to be aware. Somebody else is in me. Besides me. And I think about going this way and doing this. I just got nothing. Or maybe I got a check. I got a check. Pay attention to that. Or the more I pray about it, the more I look about this, the more I think about this. Man, I just get more excited. I get that good velvety feeling Brother Hagin was talking about. I get to, It just gets stronger and stronger in me. Until it gets time where it's, it's just time to do it. Just do it. Yep. We're not led by cost. We're not led by need. Right. We're not led by majority. We're not by, led by our, our people's and friends' opinions. We're not led by opportunities. We're not led by our head. We're not led by our feelings. We're not led by our desire. We are the sons of God. And the sons of God ought to be and can be led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.